Blog Talk Radio. today with Wild Talk Radio, so we apologize for coming in at this time. So before we get started, I am going to bring on my co-host, Mr. Jay Logan. Mr. Logan, how are you today? I am doing wonderful today, Gail. It's, uh, it's great to be back on the show, of course, and I'm so excited about today's show, and I'm doing really well today. That's really great. And again, you know, we are going to have to... Uh, rush this show a bit today because I believe our guest is waiting for us, Jay. You know, Jay is even so excited about today's show. We have Teresa Clark of Africa.com. She has won so many awards for giving back to the global community in so many ways. Yeah, that's, um, yeah it's, great, it's great to have her. I'm, I'm ready to get the show started. Yeah, I am too. You know, before we get started, she'll be on in a in a few minutes. You know, um, what's so interesting is, you know, I came across an article today, Jay, you know, which is something that we're going to go into with Ms. Clark. I came across a very interesting article today about teenagers writing, writing about cash flow. And it was in the New York Times, and it was quite an interesting an article, you know, and what it's really doing is looking at where we are today with finances, children being able to go to school, being able to have the funding to go to school, and writing about what these teenagers actually see their parents going through to put them through college, what it's going to take for them to be in college. You know, that is really an, an issue right now. They're telling kids they, it's really great to get your college degree, while at the same time, they are not, um, at the same time, they're not offering enough financial aid for disadvantaged students to go to school, which is quite interesting. So it's like, it's almost like a, 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 a dichotomy of some kind, you know, because you're saying, oh, yes, go to school, go to college so you can get this great job. And at the same time, you're saying, oh, no, I'm sorry, we don't have enough financial aid to give you. So they're really asking students to write about what their experience is, and it's specifically for seniors in high school who are, in, you know, who are in situations where their parents can't afford them to go to school. They're either going to have to take out costly loans which when they get out of school, and here's the other issue, when they get out of school, they have to pay these loans back. So even if you're a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, you have the exorbitant fees, exorbitant, you know, uh, rates that you have to pay back along with the loan. And, you know, the rates per month that these, these students have to pay back once out of school are not on a small level. What are your thoughts about that, Jay? Well, I, I know that a lot of... Uh, kids that come out of high school are very fearful of being in debt, you know, because they're here in our country and they're looking at our country being in debt, and they're saying, hey, you know, maybe I should go out and just get a job and don't worry about it because I don't want to be in debt. But at the same time, you need that college degree because if you don't have it, you won't be able to pretty much financially get yourself the things you want in life. It's very important that they know that you've got to take a chance. You've got to take a chance out there. You're going to have to take a chance, and you're going to have to go to college, and you're going to have to pretty much get a loan to go to college unless you're born with a, a, a big bank account in your pocket. So I think um, it's very important, Gail, that they understand that financially their their lives are part of a, a role that you got to follow, and financially you have to follow this role so you can get to where you want to go. Um, and there's no way around it. Well, you know, Jay, without, you know, I hate to interrupt our conversation, but without further ado... It is time to bring on our guest. I am really excited about having her on. Uh, I met her, and, you know, sometimes you just never know who you're meeting. So without further ado, we are going to bring on our guest. Good afternoon. This is Ms. Teresa Clark. Yes, this is Teresa. Hi, Gail. How are you? How are you? Uh 
I'm, it's, it's so exciting to have you on, Teresa. You know, um, just for our audience to know, we met yesterday at the conference, and I kept saying you look so familiar, and I had no idea why you look so familiar until today. So it, it, it's such an honor to have you on our show, and this is Jay Logan, our co-host from San Francisco. Jay, this is Teresa Clark. Hi, Teresa. Thank you, Teresa, for being on our, on the show today with us. Well, you guys have such good energy. You know, I was feeling a little tired, been working really hard, but with all that enthusiasm in your voices, I have no choice but to join you and, and, and get excited with you. <laughs> well, we, I mean, we are so blown away at what you have created. You have no idea. So, you know, Teresa, can we just get right into the show with you? Is that okay with you? Whatever you want. It's your show. Okay, but, you know, you're the guest as well, so it's important that we make sure you're taken care of as well. So, you know, again, I just want to thank you for being on the show with us. And, you know, we know you have a website called Africa.com, okay? Would you tell us about this? Sure. Well, Africa.com is the largest Africa-related website we have about 2 million visitors who come to us each month from over 200 countries around the world. And they come to us because we give them carefully selected news, travel information, and lifestyle. So among the things that we produce that are particularly, um, that our users find particularly useful are our top 10. Um, much like the media company, The Daily Beast, they have a cheat sheet that tells you what you know, the most important stories are of the day. We do that for Africa. So we have the top ten stories that we read all the news so that others don't have to. Um, and so we bring to our users the top ten stories um, in current events on a daily basis. And on a weekly basis, we look at the top ten current events for the week. We also look at the top ten stories in business for the week the top 10 stories in arts and culture, and the top 10 stories in travel for the week. Um, we have a blog, a very active blog. We have a number of partnerships to get content from some of the best producers of research and information on Africa. Um, we have a partnership with Harvard University whereby they will be producing for us language instruction courses in about six African languages that will live online on Africa.com. We have a partnership with McKinsey & Company, the consulting firm. Um, we're the only website other than their own where all of their African research and their reports um, live. We have those on wow. Africa.com. And, um, and we produced a film that we're very proud of, Africa Straight Up. You can see that on Africa.com, which we call Not Your Parents Documentary About Africa. Um, it's a very well, fun we're we're actually going to ask you can we can we say that for our audience for a little later just to you know tease them a little bit. It's it's your show. I'll do whatever you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know Jay, you had a question for her. I sure do, Teresa. I would like to know what inspired you to start this this wonderful site and to create it. Well, I have owned the domain name Africa.com for a long time, but I had a corporate job. And so I wasn't allowed to have any outside interests. But during that time, over the course of about 10 years, I was always daydreaming about retiring one day and, um, and creating Africa.com and actually bringing the site live, putting something on that URL. And so over the years, I collected thoughts and ideas. And then in 2009, Google was very aggressive in moving into Africa, and they made me an offer to buy the domain name and it forced me to decide whether I was going to continue dreaming about it or if I should um, you know, sell it. And so I put up a little website one weekend I made myself. It was really tacky. Um, I'm quite embarrassed uh, for anyone who's seen it, but I, I just downloaded something and uh, put some content on there. And amazingly, you know, I watched the traffic double every week. People were very hungry for any kind of information on Africa. And so with that momentum behind me, I decided to resign from my corporate job. And we, I put together a development team, and we launched the site on February 12, 2010. You know, uh, I have to say, Teresa, you're being very humble because I want our audience to know this is really a person who doesn't just 
talked the talk. She has walked the walk. She has made quite a huge difference globally. Okay, uh, Jay, I know that you are going to kill me here, but I just, you know, I, I'm so excited to have her on that I, I'm going to veer a little bit from the questions. Is that okay, okay. with you, Mr. Logan? That's well, wonderful. I read, I read that you spent quite a bit of time in Africa and lived in South Africa. So yesterday I was telling you what, you know, we as Listen Giver are up to, not knowing South Africa is my heart and soul. And so when I learned that you spent some time in South Africa, lived there for a time, and also that you started a program for students there, the disadvantage upon which $10 million has been given to them for over a 10-year period, and 90% of them go on to college. I mean, that is amazing, Ms. Clark. I, I, I have to tell you. And we are so much about education here. And to see that someone such as yourself made such a huge difference. First of all, I want to thank you for that. And the second of all is that I would love you to share a bit about living in South Africa, what that was like for you. Well, thank you for your kind words. Um, you know, I think that living in South Africa, particularly the time that I lived in South Africa, you know, I lived in South Africa in a very unique window. Um, I was recently um, talking with someone, another African-American who lived there during the time that I lived there from 1995 to 2000, and we realized how privileged we were to be there at the birth of this nation. You know, it's like living in the United States, you know, with George Washington and, you know, and Thomas Jefferson. These were just like people you hung out with. You know, I mean, to be able to go to events during that time and see Nelson Mandela, to be able to um, go watch, as we did, some of the hearings for the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that Bishop Tutu led, you know, to have been there as that country was figuring out its constitution and, you know, debates around what should be in the Constitution and what rights it should protect and to then watch them adopt that Constitution. And it was a really special time in South Africa's history. And um, I feel very privileged to have been there to witness what I think is you know, the creation of a foundation that will guide that nation for centuries to come. Wow. Is, is, this, uh, is this what inspires you also to start Africa? Africa.com, is what you just said, did that, did that help to inspire you to start this beautiful website? I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think all of my experiences in Africa have been an inspiration. I've also spent a lot of time in Nigeria um, in the early 2000s. I did a lot of work with the Ford Foundation in, um, in Nigeria around a small and medium-sized enterprise finance. And through that experience, got to know a very different part of Africa um, and, and came to love the Nigerian people and, and just recognizing and appreciate the, 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 the differences among the many cultures in East Africa, West Africa, South Africa, and you know, digging down deeper on a tribal level. Um, so I think it was all of those experiences that contributed to my desire to create Africa.com. Wow. I mean, you know, I... Um I do, you know, this is, I, I, Jay, I'm, sne I'm sneaking another question in here with Teresa. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. You know, what I want to know is, Teresa, you know, you have worked in South Africa, so that's one end of the spectrum, okay? Then you've been in Nigeria on the other end of the spectrum, uh, spect the spectrum. not to mention you also did some work at Goldman Sachs with, you know, the, the Asian-African connection. I'd like to know what do you see as the unique differences? Because what a lot of people don't know is each country, not only the country, but it's the locale, it's the tribe. It's each tribe has a different culture. The way they cook food, the way they dress, everything is so different, not only from region to region, city to city, tribe to tribe. What did you find, though, the overall differences in South African culture and Nigerian culture? If you could just give us a few distinctions there. Oh, boy, you want to get me in trouble, don't you? I think a couple of things. I would say that I find that Nigerians are very confident, and, and that's one of the things that was very inspiring for me as I came to know West Africa. I think that the Nigerian... The history of colonialization in Nigeria you know, followed a very different trajectory than it did in South Africa. 
And as a result, you have a people who are very proud, very secure, very clear about their heritage. Um, you just they're they're the largest con- they're the largest country on the continent with 150, 160 million people. And so they have this, you know, Africa can't succeed without us. We are important. It's just sort of that, you know, in a democracy, and I think it does relate, it comes back to something that I learned as an African-American in South Africa, and that is that it's a fantastic thing to be a part of the majority. Being a part of any majority is a very empowering experience. And I think that, you know, as an African-American, you know, in being a minority in this country, it's just a transformational feeling to be someplace where you are part of the majority. And so that exists to some degree in South Africa if you're looking at it in political and demographic terms, maybe not economic terms, but certainly political terms where, you know, Africans, you know, just even the word minority, um, you see Americans go over to South Africa and wanting to help black people and say, yes, we want to help the minorities. It's like, no, let me remind you, you know, this is the majority. And you just take that to Nigeria and put it on steroids because not only are Nigerians um, in charge of their own country on every level, economically, politically, but they also are so big and relevant to the continent that they they are the they are the majority in the continent of Africa. So they've just got this majority empowerment on steroids. Wow, which I like, and I, and I say that I say that I say that with with the with, with, before somebody um, takes that the wrong way. I say that with the greatest of respect. Because I, I think that that kind of confidence um, is very empowering to an individual, and it allows people to get on with whatever it is they're getting on with without doubts, without questions about where they fit in, how they back up. The, you know, the Nigerians are just you know laser focused on whatever the issue at hand is, and that's the end of the story. They're just very businesslike, very efficient, very focused. Wow. Teresa, what are your economic predictions for a positive future for Africa? Yeah, there there is no question that Africa is the next Asia. All of the smart money is already in Africa. Um, certainly the Chinese and the Europeans figured it out, you know, well before the Americans have. Americans are very slow to the table in recognizing the investment opportunities in Africa in 2011, something like six or seven of the ten fastest-growing economies in the world all happened to be in Africa. Um, you know, the population is growing at a very fast rate. The local GDPs are growing. You've got people moving from rural communities to urban communities, and with urbanization, people start doing things like using toothpaste, something they may not have done in a rural community. They start using more, you know, hair care products and um, buying bleach and using automatic washing machines, and it just it drives the the internal um, demand and consumption. And Africans as consumers uh, really create a lot of business opportunity. And I think that those are the sectors that I would invest in if I were investing in Africa today, or anything that will benefit from the rise of the African consumer. You know, um, you know, speaking of this, Jay and Teresa. I mean, Teresa, would you agree with this? Um, some years ago, uh, before I met Lyra, the artist in 2010 that I shared with you about yesterday, I met Dr. Konji Sabati. I was very, very um, taken back by her and just speaking with her briefly because she sees youth as the future of not only South Africa but Africa as a whole. And um, at that time, she was the ambassador to Switzerland and then became to France uh, for South Africa. But what I learned was that most of Africa is made up of youth. You know, it's more youth now in Africa than ever before than it is the older uh, elderly there or the, the elders, as they, as they say there. And with that said, you know, based on what you said economically and the positive future that um, Africa has, would you say that, you know, that since Africa is definitely made up a lot of people from, you know, who are younger now, do you think that also helps to drive the economy as well, Teresa? Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, having spent my career at Goldman Sachs, um, you know, Goldman did a, uh, Goldman coined the term BRICS um, to refer to emerging markets, Brazil, Russia, India, and China. And what was really behind 
um, defining the BRICS, these emerging economies, was what kind of population these countries are going to have in 2050. Um, and so as a result of these young, pop, you know, the, the U.S. and Japan for, and much of Western Europe are aging populations, and aging populations are just simply not as productive. So when you have populations with a lot of young people who have energy to create and build, um, that drives an economy, and that is definitely, I think, an important factor in Africa. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, uh, speaking of youth, Gail, you know, um, one thing I would like to know, um, Teresa, is how did you start your MBA program for young high school students, and what's the success rate right now? Okay. Well, first of all, we, our program is actually a high school program, and so we sponsor students from 8th to 12th grade in high schools in South Africa. We give them funding and we give them a mentor. And these are the top private schools in South Africa. We're basically integrating the elite prep schools. And so our statistics vary a little bit year to year, but I think overall if we look at it since the program started in 2000, we now have about 12 years' worth of data, we have about a 92% completion rate of those who enter the program actually completing high school, which compares with a much lower number for people who drop out in South Africa. You generally have something like a, you know, half of the people who start kindergarten actually make it through the end of high school. So already getting that a high school diploma is a huge um, uh, advancement over the general statistics. And then of those who graduate from high school, um, Another, uh, I think our statistic going into college is something like 97%. And so uh, we have a very, very good success rate on both fronts. Wow. You know, I, I, we're sitting here blown away because, you know, I know I've not been to South Africa, Teresa, but I'm very connected with South Africa from the embassy to the people that live here and there and especially the education. Um, listen, we have been supporting a school you may or may not know of which is the East Rand School of the Arts. We will be supporting them soon monetarily to send. Our goal is to send at least 20 kids there. It's 175 U.S. dollars per child, you know. And, you know, with that said, you know, looking at family and, and things like that, I'd like to ask you this question. But, you know, before we go on to the next question, Teresa, we do have someone, I believe, that wants to ask you a question. Is that okay with you? Absolutely. Hello, caller. You've been waiting so patiently. You are on the line with Listen, Give, and Teresa Clark. Would you please say your name and what state you're from? Hello, caller. Well, I guess they want to stay mute, so we will take them off. Okay. So, you know, Teresa, one of the questions we wanted to ask, you know, based on the fact that we're also supporting, we do not have the statistics that you do. We're just getting started. But I will tell you that it's inspiring to know that the difference you've made, that we can also have the opportunity to make that same difference, you know, as well. And one of the questions that we have for you is, could you share with our audience how you were brought up as a child from your family, your father and mother, and the values they shared with you to make you such a, a successful person today and, and, and being the change rather than waiting for it to happen? Well, certainly. Well, I think, you know, I come from, um, I think my mother and my father both had important professional careers, and I feel very fortunate as a woman to have had strong female role models. Um, my grandmother was a manager, and I think it's unusual for women, white or black, of my cohort who've had a grandmother and a mother who worked um, at a manager, managerial level. My, and both of them worked in public service. So my grandmother um, was a teacher, and then she was later a uh, director of three child care centers and um, very involved politically. She helped to write some of the legislation that governs child care centers in um, the state of California. My mother followed her footsteps as an educator. My mother was one of the first black American women Fulbright scholars. In 1958, my mother went to Argentina to study as a Fulbright scholar at the University of Buenos Aires. She was at Howard University, where she graduated Phi Beta Kappa. I'm very proud of her. And, um, and she had a very successful career in public education, starting off as a teacher and then a principal 
and then um, a superintendent of schools in Linwood, California. And um, for the last 10 years um, after she retired, uh, she retired there around age 65, and then for the next 10 years or so, she taught as a professor at Cal State Northridge in the Graduate School of Education. So I feel very fortunate to have had these women show me a path towards leadership and um, and a love for international. My grandmother loved international travel um, as well, and she had a bug to, I think that my grandmother, who passed a couple of years ago at the age of 94, had visited something like 12 to 15 foreign countries, which again, I think was you know quite remarkable for a black woman born in 1914. Um, and so I think that I, I'm a lot like the women whose paths I follow in that their, um, their values relate to education and wanting to contribute and do good works and with a with a global perspective and and I think that probably summarizes some of who I am. Oh wow. Well, I have this next question for you and if you don't mind, we just have two more for you after that. Is what is it that people do not know about Africa? What is it we don't know? <laughs> you said this was just a talk show for a few minutes <laughs> 2013. <laughs> uh, you know, everything, I think, is what they don't know. You know, we created, you said you were going to ask me about the film Africa Straight Up. You know, it was really made to address all the things that people don't know um, about Africa. And I think that people have no sense of Africa, and, you know, and myself included. You know, when I, I, I didn't have exposure to Africa coming up, I didn't know much about Africa, and you know more than the next person. Um, and I think that people have a sense that it is either a political um, matter where there is fighting or it is a destiny for charitable acts or perhaps it could be a venue for an interesting and adventurous trip where you might go see animals on safari. But I think what people don't know about the they don't know about the people. I mean, I think that's fundamentally what people don't know about is they don't know about, you know, if you if you look in the media and you see pictures, and when we started Africa.com, it was particularly difficult. It's getting less so today. But every if you look at how the media portrays pictures of Africans, it's always an African child who is hungry, typically. And if it's an adult, it's typically an adult wearing some kind of ethnic garb and being exotic. But you never see just a man wearing a business suit. You never see a woman going to work as a teacher in a dress and pumps. I mean, there's just no sense of everyday life um, in Africa. I think that that is really what is missing. Okay, I know you well, my, have my, uh, one last question. Yes, and, um, uh, Teresa, you don't have to answer so much in detail because I know we have uh, not, you know, not too much time, but... How did you come to know so much about Africa as a whole? Um, you know, I, I've been going to Africa now for almost you know, for 20 years. This, this marks my 20th anniversary with Africa. So spending time in Africa over 20 years, living there consistently for five of those years, traveling there extensively, writing about it, reading about it, having you know, 700 kids I'm responsible for in South Africa. All of that has contributed. I serve now on the board of the Tony Elamelo Foundation in Nigeria um, that does a lot of good work in, in that part of the world. You know, my, my knowledge in Africa is mainly South Africa and West Africa, and increasingly I'm getting to know East Africa, and after that I look forward to learning more about North Africa. Wow. Well, um, Teresa, don't kill me. We just wanted to ask you to give us about the last question to tell us about this the straight up Africa video. If you could just give us a small summary of that, and then we'll just thank you for being with us. Well, thank you. Well, I hope some of your listeners will watch Africa Straight Up, which is available for free on our site and on uh, YouTube. So you can find it on Africa.com or on YouTube. Africa Straight Up um, is not your parents' documentary about Africa. It is a dynamic. 30-minute film that is a tour of all the exciting things happening in education, in technology, in business, and in government. And I think the tagline is, um, you know, watch, learn, and rock to the beat, because there's some really good music in it as well. And Jay, one of our, our 
good friends who we love on this station very much so. I'm going to say a shout-out to Lyra because she is truly, for me, a personal inspiration. You know, um, I know that I inspire people and Jay inspires people, but when we meet people such as yourself, Teresa, and Lyra, and Dr. Sabati, and others out there who are really change-makers, you know, it's one thing to be a leader, it's another thing to be a change-maker and not wait for change to happen. So, you know, one of the things we are revamp- uh, we are revamping our website, uh, Teresa, and we get we give a superhero award every month, and we just mm-hmm. want to let you know that for us, you are our superhero for the month of January. Oh, that makes me feel very happy. Thank you. When I was a senior <laughs> in high school, we had a superhero a Halloween, and I got to be super. So it's not since then that I've been affiliated with superheroes. So you're making me feel young again. <laughs> well, I know that I know that you have a birthday coming up, so um, the superhero will actually be going from the 9th of January till the 9th of February. So <laughs> it will cover your birthday as well. And thank you for your time. I know you stayed on a little longer, and we're sorry for keeping you. Um, but just wanted to say thank you so much for having us and being with us on the show. And we will definitely be doing whatever we can to support Africa.com and, you know, hopefully we'll be able to connect on further things because there's so much I would love to talk with you about because it's just, Jay would tell you if you were in a room, oh, my God, this is Gail. She loves this stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd like to well, know want- later on, I'm sorry, Teresa? Well, I just wanted to commend you for the great work that you're doing in creating this show, and I think um, I love technology, and I see how you're leveraging technology with um by using Blog Talk Radio, I, I, so I, I think what you're doing is really exciting. Thank you so much. And, you know, we have a project that's coming up that I'm really excited about. It's going to be giving back to the malaria situation in Uganda. It is also going to be giving to the East Rand School of the Arts and another foundation that is also supporting us. So I'm, I'm really excited. And I'm really excited about the opportunity for you, myself, and Jay to connect on some other level. So thank you so much for your time. I just want to ask, would you be willing to come back, you know, sometime in the year and share share with us a little bit more about what's going on in Africa.com at that time? Whatever you ask me, Gail. Okay. Well, thank you so much, and have a blessed day, too. Thank you. Jay, that was amazing. I mean... You know, we really didn't get to really speak further with Teresa because I know her time constraints. But I can't wait to have her on again. I mean, you know, I I am not one that, you know, I'm a pretty straightforward person and I don't blow air up, you know, anyone's rear And Excuse my expression on the radio, folks, but we're just really straight here. (laughs) You know, but I I was really, um, when I meet people like Teresa who, is just making a beautiful difference. And it's coming from the heart and the soul. And when we heard about her mother and her grandmother, you know, I'm sitting there saying, you know, no, my mom didn't get to do that, but I just lost my mom this year. And, you know, the woman that my mother was and the woman that my grandmother was, my grandmother, you know, like her, my grandmother died in her 90s. You know, my great-grandfather died 117. And they were entrepreneurs even then when it was unheard of. You know what I mean? You know, and mm-hmm. um, so it's just amazing, you know, um, to hear such amazing things. You know, my grandmother had a restaurant where famous people came to all the time in New York City on the Upper West Side. And this is a woman who did not even have, you know, a, a college education or high school education. I know in Teresa's case, you know, there, there was an education, but my grandmother didn't have that, you know. And to see what she did, and then I, I feel like so much in common with Teresa because my mother worked with a law firm that dealt with people of so many different cultures and that travel bug that I have myself internationally, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I, just, I just feel very blessed to have met her yesterday, you know. And I've met people from all over the world, but when I come across you know, like diamonds, and I really consider Teresa to be like a diamond. When you come across mm-hmm. diamonds like those, they shine so brightly without having attention, needing to have attention. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. amazing. What are your What are your thoughts, Jay? 
Well, I, I just like the fact that when you have family values, which we should have, um, she has family family values. Um, and in most kids grow up having fa- family values are very successful, you know. Uh, a little story comes to mind. My um, my mom was telling me, and she had all her sisters here, and they were telling me that, you know, we had like, I have 13 aunts and uncles. So they were raised in Virginia, and they had family values. And what happened was, you know, my grandfather, he, he was saying, well, how do you feed all these kids, you know, back in the 40s? And how are you going to do this? He said, well, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to trust God, and we're going to get through this. And the neighbors would bring potatoes and apples, and, and the whole community had family values. Everybody cared about everybody. That's the sense that we need to have in America. Listen to, to Teresa. I'm seeing her grandmother, her mother. They all had family family values. And I'm, I'm looking at your family. Gail, you, you have those. And it's very important for us to bring that back, back to America. You know, that's what's going to get us through this trying time, family values. So I'm I'm just glad to hear when she, when she, when she talked about her grandmother and she talked about her grandmother being a manager and a mom, having child care centers. Those things are very important. When kids see that, that makes you, inspire you to become something great. Well, but you know what I thought was also amazing that she brought up that's very important. You know, um, the, the great thing I love that she shared was, you know, like you and I saw, we didn't see that because because you're people of color in any way, you know, that there was a disadvantage. I, didn't, I never heard the word disadvantage from her. What I did hear was a woman who stated that a woman of color as in her grandmother, had traveled almost 15 countries. You know, I think that that's so so very, very, very important today, you know. And, um, you know, speaking of that, Jay, you know, I'd, I'd like to go back to uh, some of our conversation from last week, you know, speaking of family values. The, the woman who gave her son, her 13-year-old son, Janelle, uh, I, I forget her name, but the woman who gave her son an 18-point contract with her iPhone, saying, remember, this is technology to, be, to assist you and be integrated into your life, but it is not your life. She is instituting family values. It starts right there. She is teaching him that he as a person is okay and does not need to hold on to a physical instrument, you know. And, and, and then we look at people like Teresa Clark who's teaching her students the importance of education, and some of them do not have access to technology. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, what are your thoughts about that? That's um, that's 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 funny because um, after we did the show, you know, I said, hmm, let me try this on Jolena. <laughs> so I went down and I took your contract that you got from the website. And I said, okay, Jolena, you got this phone. These are the rules. And so my mom was there, and um, my mom loved it. Matter of fact, Gail, she told me, could you read this to Jolena every week so she won't forget? So, you know. Those are family values. And um, I was like, God, do I have to read this every week to Jelena so she can remember these rules? And my mom said, yeah, you should read those at least every month so the kid can remember the contract. So I think that was great. I loved that article. And uh, I hope that some of our listeners and audience will go back and check our website and, and check that article out again and, you know, maybe take some pieces of it and involve it in their family uh yeah, we would definitely have that up for them to take a look at. I think what was also important to note about the last week's show, Jay, was another interesting thing that we all touched on again with Teresa today, which was the article that spoke about a high, this is no longer the land of opportunity. You need your college education. High school education will not do it anymore. That's that correct. Just what um, it is. Yeah, that's it. There's no ifs, ands about it. Um, it's a new level. It's a new playing field. And it's not bad. It's good. You know, hey, you need a college degree. Hey, come on now, you know. So it's not like a bad thing. It's a great thing. It's great. It gives you something to inspire in yourself, you know, because, you know, back in the day you could just get by, you know, with the high school thing kind of, and people kind of hide you on your personality and your smile and they try to guess you out. But now you got to have that college uh, degree uh, to say, hey, you are a completer. You can complete. And that's what they need now because, you know, hey, you got to get better. So I think it's a great thing. Well, you know what else is very important? What we are seeing now, Jay, is an emergence of globalization. And when I say an emergence of globalization, from education, we spoke about the music industry now that the music industry is becoming globalized. 
Now, for our audience, you may think we're going to a completely different subject matter here, but audience members, we want you to know that we really are not. You know, globalization, the emergence of globalization, with people like Teresa Clark, who um, we also didn't mention, she's been on the Foreign Relations Board. She, I mean, this woman is so, like, amazing and, and very humble at that. But what people like Teresa Clark, Jay Logan, who is an award-winning uh, producer himself, you know, and we say that again not as a bragging or anything like that, but as to just share, you know, what, we, what we've done. I've worked with former President Clinton as a volunteer when he had his reelection. You know, I've had the opportunity to attend the Clinton Global Initiative and learn many things there. You know, I've worked with NBC and many people like that. And so, you know, when you look at the Teresa Clarks of the world, the, the, the Jay Logans of the world, the Hillary Clintons of the world, the Gail Davises of the world, uh, our partner, Marianne Grant, who's in London, um, when, and who really loves Africa, you know, and being from Africa, you know, um, and so many people. Uh, Dinesh Shaw, who is part of a book called Stories of Courageous Vulnerability from India. You know, we have so many people that have been a part of this show. And what we're seeing right now is the emergence of globalization across the board. People are coming together globally. Now, ironically, now, this is a very interesting thing. Many people took the Mayan calendar as the end of the world, where others thought the Mayan calendar was this is a time of collaboration of global proportions, that we are actually coming into what we call, quote, unquote, the Aquarius age when there's collaboration. Now, I'm not going to speak to if that's true or not because I don't know. But what I will say is we are seeing this year and the latter part of last year as an emergence of globalization in education, music, television, film, okay, government, where government is now coming back to being of service because people are a demand for it. Okay, where the average person can make a difference just by going online and writing something that may make a difference just to the child in their neighborhood. I want everyone out there to know that the local person is the global person. The woman and the husband who have who are raising their children and sharing that online, someone in another country is reading that saying, I have the same issue. Because what we're learning is that we're all human and there's a way to help each other. You know, Jay, is there anything you want to say about that? I, I agree. And then your voice to the world. You can shout your voice as loud as you want. You can speak to the world now. And with technology and all the new things that enable you to do this on the Internet, you can now speak to a broader audience. And so that is so true. One person can make a difference. And before, one person can make a difference. But now it's a lot easier to make a difference and a big difference on, in a global in a global way. And and what's great about the global thing, uh, Gail, is that the fact that all these new countries, and when we listen to Teresa, all these new new countries are developing now. You know, she's talking about washing machines and people finally getting to use toothpaste. You know, I'm listening to everything she's saying. And you notice now the world is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and everybody's getting on the same page. And, and this is beautiful. Everybody's getting on the same page. And it's, it's, uh, it's great. Um, I think it's great. And that's why we need to now get on the Internet or whatever and talk globally and talk about global development and develop and, and help these other countries develop because economically it would help America and it would help the world. Yes, it would. And you know what, Joe, is also amazing, too, is that um, what is also amazing, too, is, you know, it's not only just the global perspective there, but people who normally, so let's give an example. Last week we spoke of education and we spoke about the globalization of music. Well, as everyone knows, the Internet, social media has made it for an artist easier and harder. It's put artists in a position that they have to tour now. It's put the music labels at a different level now and how they have to uh, work with artists. In some ways, they're trying to take more because they have to sustain themselves as well. That's what helps the artists in the long run. Um, and at the same time, it's allowing artists to get their music out, but it's, it's, it's also, it was drowning out the music in itself for people to hear. But now it's balancing itself out because the global community at large has the opportunity to listen to one another's music from all over the world. Now, 
people who are not in the industry. Consumers can listen to that. That is what we speak about globalization. Students in schools in the U.S. can speak to students in the schools in Africa, Europe, or any place else. When have we had such a thing as this? This is where I love it, Jay. This is the opportunity where cultures can learn from each other. This is the opportunity, students who are listening to us, for you to learn the culture of another and love the culture that you have and that you don't have to You can be a part of another country, but you don't have to completely assimilate its culture and maintain your own, maintain your history, your culture that you've grown up in. I am so excited about what this year has to hold. I know, Jay, one of the other things I wanted to go into, if that's okay with you, is technology. This is our, this is, you know, this is our fun area, Jay. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where you are on the iPad 3 and the Microsoft Surface, but i got to tell you, I am with the Microsoft Surface all the way. <laughs> I think uh, um, Microsoft has came up with a winner. They did their homework, and um, I'm just looking at what it does. It's amazing. Um, wow. You need to tell me that I've got you now over to the Microsoft side? That's right. That's, I'm, I'm over there. You know, I'm just looking at I'm just looking at all the amazing things, the multitasking environment that's there where you can do two or three things at one time on one pad. Um, the keyboard is amazing. The the, act, the fact that you can add memory to a, a pad. That's 150 amazing. gigabytes. That 150. So, uh, so, Jay, maybe we should give our audience a little bit of an idea. So, for the students oh. and definitely the executives, and Teresa, if you don't already know out there, the guests that we had on today about this, something you may want to know. So, Jay, we know that the iPad 3 can do two or three things, but not always at the same time where you can see it all at one time on the screen. Whereas the Microsoft Surface has a USB port, has an HDMI port. It's expandable, I believe, to over 125 gigabytes of space, 32 gigs of memory or more. It also allows you to be looking at a video, surfing the web, and typing at the same time as if you were on a PC. Standard size keyboard, and the other thing that I love is we normally get a three-month, uh, I guess you could say, try on Office, Microsoft Office. No, now it's permanently on there when you buy it. See, I'm loving that. You see, <laughs> and I love the iPad, so don't get me wrong, we love you as an iPad, but the thing is that you didn't give us the USB port this time. You just give us a little bit of time. And, this, and the other thing about the Surface is it's got an 8-megapixel camera. See, I can be with that. I can do everything with that. Right. You know, so I, I'm pretty happy about that. And I would still buy an iPad for kids. For me now, the iPad is relegated to children. And at the same time, since I'm a believer that uh, education is integrated as part of their overall life and not their life, um, I, would have, I would not have them use it for everything, and I would still have kids read books. You know how I am about reading books. So... Yeah, so that's any, right. Any, uh, any thoughts that you have on technology today, Jay? Oh, yeah, I'd like to say that uh, Walmart is introducing iPhones with no contract. Um, that's like basically, I can go to Walmart, get an iPhone for and you don't have to have a contract with $35,000. Also, um, Apple is announcing a lower-ended iPhone that's made out of cheaper parts and so by we'll see what happens at the end of the year. This iPhone is looked a lot cheaper than the iPhone 5, but now, you know, you can get it for 99 bucks, we hope, or something like that. So iPhone is coming down into a lower-end market. Apple decided to come to a lower-end user. So that's a great thing because now it's not as expensive to own an iPhone. So those are the two new things that are coming up for this year. Wow. Well, I am just so excited about what this year holds for us. And, Jay, you know, we have another thing coming up. I want to talk about Mr. Dan Orth. Dan Orth is the owner of Lounge Renown Records. And this year he will be coming out with a new album sometime in February or March. And many of you know that often what happens is we play music at the beginning of the show and at the end of the show. And one of them is Treasure, and it's by a group called Patent Leather. And we will be sharing more with you about that, and we really 
would like our audience to support them when their music comes out. Um, there's two other people, Jay, we want to talk about. So here, here it is. We get the, you, your choice. You want to talk? About, you want Robin Crespo or Lyra? Whichever one you don't talk about, I will. I'll take uh, I'll take Lyra. Okay. So the great news about um, oh, well, you go ahead first. Uh, okay, I will. I go right ahead. I'm so sorry, sir. Go right ahead. Um, well, Lyra is a prominent artist. Um, she's on the same level, even more, of Sade or even even a Whitney Houston. She's from South Africa, and she has a lot of beautiful nonprofit things which she does in South Africa to help a lot of the school systems down there. So we just love her music. We love what she's doing, and um, we're just waiting for her, her, her. She has several albums that are out that you can you can Google her online and you can check her out and you can kind of see what kind of stuff she's doing, but she has a beautiful heart, and she's just an angel. Yes, she is, and Jay, guess one other amazing thing that a lot of people may not know about Lyra. Her name is, she goes by the name of Miss Lyra. She is going to be performing for President Obama's inauguration. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, isn't that amazing? Yeah. Wow. And our, and our next person is Robin Cresso. So we're really excited about Robin Cresso because Listen Good had the opportunity, along with the Art of Living, to award Robin Cresso an award for his humanitarian efforts for being the inventor of a jacket that propels people from different parts of the world from the malaria virus that many mosquitoes carry the bacteria for. And so we just want to honor Robin Cresso by saying he is also one of our superheroes, and the project we have coming up will also benefit him in malaria. So with that, Jay, I just want to say thank you. I want, to, I want to add to that jacket because, you know, the malaria jacket actually is a good fashion jacket that looks good to wear. It's not, it's not like you're not wearing like a giant suit or, you know, like a, a robot suit. It's a beautiful jacket, and you can wear it just around the house. I love it. So if you get a chance, uh, I might want to get a couple of those for some friends. Uh, this Christmas is a wonderful. <laughs> I mean, you know, because it looks good. You know, it's something different, and I think kids would just like to wear it. Well, James, did you order one yet? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you're going to see me in it, too. You know, you're going to be jealous. Oh, really? Okay, well, you know what? <laughs> we have to definitely then see you. But yeah, on that note, okay. Jay, thank you for a wonderful, wonderful show again today. And we're going to take mm-hmm. the show out right now with the song Treasure. From Patton Weather of Lounge Renown Records. Thank you, Jay, and have a wonderful day. You too.